0: Welcome to HPW's Over the Counter podcast. I'm David Ridley and I'll be chatting with industry experts and insiders about the latest trends, issues and intelligence in consumer healthcare. In this episode, I chat with UK PR firm Kaizo's Associate Director Kerry Lennox about consumer healthcare marketing in the post-pandemic context. With consumers bombarded by healthcare messaging and increasingly anxious about their health and wellness, Lennix explains how OTC firms can play a key role in supporting them to self-care responsibly. With trust shifting away from governments and scientific experts towards frontline healthcare professionals like pharmacists, OTC brands are becoming more important to consumers, helping them tune back in to science-based health and wellness, while supporting this crucial part of the healthcare ecosystem. Hi, thanks for coming on uh, Over the Counter podcast. How are you?
1: Hi, yeah, I'm good. Um, Thank you. Thanks very much for having me.
0: You're welcome. Would you like to just start by introducing yourself and maybe say a little bit about uh, Kaizo as well?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is Kerry Lennox. I'm one of the Associate Directors um, at Keisel. Um So Kaizo is um, an independent communications agency. Um, so we like to say that we work with uh, big brands and brands with big ambitions. Um, but basically what that means is that um while we we do work with a lot of very kind of large global companies we also do a lot of work with um you know really interesting and innovative um kind of startup and and challenger sized brands as well um a a big part of the business and um the the part of the business that I'm most involved in is related to health um, and health and science um so we work with a really wide range of companies so anything from hospital groups and pharmaceutical companies to um you know brands that sit more in the consumer health and OTC and, and general kind of wellness um, space as well and, and the work we do is, is really as varied as our clients I would say so it can be anything from kind of media relations and PR and marketing campaigns to um, you know work that helps to support patient advocacy functions within organizations or you know more corporate comms and, and reputation management um, Quite quite a mix I would say.
0: Yeah, that sounds uh, like a really interesting job, um, and it's nice to have a you know a bit of the industry that we don't always uh, you know get to profile in H P W. You know the, the support that PR companies uh, provide to, to our consumer health industry players. So you've recently published a report: uh, clear, current, credible, communicating health messages in 2023. Um, It'd be good to find out maybe a bit of the background how that came about. And then if you just want to kind of summarize what the headline headline findings were and we can dig into it a little bit more.
1: Yeah that sounds good. Um so the um the report we it just done is basically based on um, a survey of consumers in the UK that that we did quite recently. But that's actually a follow-on to a piece of research that we did in 2020. Um so I think obviously as we all remember 2020 was an interesting year for everyone and for the healthcare industry. Um and I think at the time you know consumers were really being um really bombarded with health information um, at a scale that they probably hadn't been before. Um, so we wanted to understand where they were going for reliable health information and also what sources of information they actually trusted the most as well. So, so the new report essentially looks at how things have changed since 2020. Um, and I think in, in terms of you know really headline findings, we saw that the sources of information that consumers um, trust for health information has actually shifted quite a lot, I would say, since, you know, the peak of the pandemic. Um, We also found that far fewer consumers were likely to say that they would lose trust in a source of health information um, for various reasons. And I thought that was really interesting because it suggests to me that, you know, people might not be interrogating health information in in the way that they once were, or they might be tuning out from a little little bit as well. Um, And one of the other areas that we looked at was, just trying to understand what people's biggest health concerns were particularly over the winter period which can obviously be quite a challenging time for people's health.
0: Yeah I think you're right I mean that's the, the thing about the pandemic is you know there's just so much um, health information out there isn't it you're yeah. looking for it also to, to make sure that you don't get Covid or you're you know generally looking after yourself Uh, a bit better, but then also you get a lot of advice, but then you're also getting all of the warnings about, um, you know, bad information, you know, it's like layers and layers of, of stuff to think about when it comes to your health, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it's something that we probably, I think even if the, those of us who were, you know, involved in health and science communication, I think we probably felt really overwhelmed as well by the level of information at the time. And there were just so many unknowns and uncertainties. It, it was, you know, d- tricky to digest it all and, and figure out what it all meant.
0: So one one of the things that I thought was interesting, I think we'll come, come back to that a little bit m- more, the, um, the health information, but I was interested that it mentioned mental health, yeah, and so that was that was uh, I think something that we all both I suppose being involved in healthcare saw that quite um, clearly uh, that that was an issue. But also, obviously, we all experienced the pandemic ourselves, um, and it it did have that burden, um, you know, isolation or anxiety, um, you know, all of these sort of things that that put extra pressure on people in terms of their mental health during the pandemic. And, um, but now, you know, coming out of COVID, that mental health is is a big concern, maybe the biggest concern of, of health consumers uh, above COVID. Maybe that reflects the fact that, you know, we're feeling like we're coming out of that now, but even just the kind of normal stuff that you would expect to find in consumer healthcare, like cough and colds, mm. you know, these kind of seasonal uh, things that come up that you that you, are dealing with. Um, so, maybe say a bit, bit more about that, but also I'm, I'm interested to know how that uh, reflects also with trends around wellness that that we saw during the pandemic. So, um, you know, prevention, self-care, um, you know, are these two things linked to consumers still looking for alternatives as well um, to look after their health and maybe looking for consumer healthcare products to help them with their mental health specifically?
1: Yeah, well, I think thinking about the kind of first part of your question that's really around, you know, mental health being this major concern, you know, the latest survey that we did found that it, it was a bigger concern for more consumers than things like COVID or or cough and colds and flu. Um, in one way, I don't think that's surprising because, you know, it's been a tough couple of years and if you think about the situation we're in now with you know cost of living crisis rising energy prices like the list goes on um obviously that's creating a lot of anxiety for people but we have also just you know we've, we've been through a really tough winter illnesses season as well Um, it feels like there's been this kind of perfect storm of viruses swirling around us Um, and I think we need to remember that mental health and physical health are really closely linked Um, it's quite hard to separate the two I think so quite often one concern will fuel the other so I wouldn't be surprised if you know people's general concerns about their physical health if it's in the context of cold and flu for example is is fueling that wider concern around mental health as well or at least plays a part in it um I think in terms of the role of kind of wellness which obviously it's quite a big term it captures quite a lot of different things but if we think about it as yeah maybe alternatives to traditional products or or medicines i absolutely think that's something that people are far more interested in now and you mentioned um self care which i think is a really really good example um so i think is a term that's actually been popularized quite a lot over the last couple of years um firstly because of our physical health we've had to practice self-care a lot more because healthcare services have been less accessible Um, and we've just had to treat it home maybe for more things than we did in the past but I actually think it plays a really huge role in our mental health and well-being and I'm really glad that it's become more of you know a part of that conversation over the last couple of years and I think part of it is um, you know I mentioned all the various things that are causing anxiety at the moment there's lots of factors that are outside of our control and I think anything that helps. People to feel like they can take back a little bit of control is really helpful. And I think self-care is one of those things um, when it comes to your mental and emotional well-being. Um, I think it's quite hard though. Um, Personally, I think people actually need a bit of encouragement to take the time out and practice self-care, particularly when it comes to mental health. Um, And I think they probably need more education and tools to help them to do that. And that's where I think the industry and um, you know, consumer health brands as well probably could play quite an important role and I think as long as you do it in a positive and constructive way so I think you do need to look out for you know not relying on kind of negative messaging or anything that inadvertently piles on the pressure for people or makes them feel bad for not doing something Um, it all needs to be kind of positive and and constructive being aware of the people pressure under and, and really about empowering them to do more to look after themselves I think.
0: It's interesting. I was just thinking when you were when you were talking there about um a, a report that the PAGB, the UK Consumer Healthcare in- yeah, Industry Association, the, the one
1: last year, yeah,
0: and they put out something that said that you know self care um is kind of um, I don't know if it was you know kind of fading, but it was definitely stagnating in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering whether you know mental health is is the bit that the consumer healthcare industry can now pick up you know it played such an important role during Covid um, and like you said it's you know self-care and consumer healthcare brands and pharmacies by extension you know that was in some cases the only way for people to access or the only way that people felt comfortable to access kind of healthcare um, so maybe now this is the time you know when this kind of crisis moves into the the impact on people's mental health that consumer health care companies can can play a really important role and actually that's a way of building that momentum again for self-care now.
1: Yeah and it's interesting you mentioned the PAGB report actually because um yeah it was the I think the one that they released last year sort of at the tail end of the year. Um Obviously that it looks more at physical health but I think the findings are really applicable to mental health as well so I think they found that people are really interested in self-care but don't necessarily have the confidence to do it or know how to do it. Um, so yeah I think that could be just as applicable to mental health as physical health.
0: So yeah I think I agree. So moving into the the issue of trust you were mentioning about um, you know how the the pure overload of health information had positive and negative effects on, on I think um, you know people's trust in information um, and you know unfortunately that, that also then impacts information from what should be reliable sources. Yeah. Um, so you, there's, there's this, you mentioned this in the report, this idea of consumers tuning out, um, do you want to say a little bit more about that and how that it reflects on traditional authorities and maybe also you know consumer healthcare companies mm-hmm as part of that or whether they are or not part of that
1: yeah so i think one of the really interesting findings from the report was um yeah to do with this shift in in what consumers the sources they they trust and kind of what they tune into as reliable sources of information and we found that um there was a really big drop in the number of people who um trusted like official government health advisors which i thought was really interesting it dropped by 30 percentage points or something like that um now of course that could be to do with visibility obviously a couple of years ago in the first survey you know chris witty and co were sort of on our screens every day and we all look to them for the latest kind of updates on, on data and advice and they're less visible now but i think also. Um, just because of the situation we were in at the time, there were so many unknowns and people naturally got things wrong because we just didn't know enough. So I think that's probably impacted trust as well. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of kind of consumers tuning out from health information and what impact that has on consumer health care companies and, and their marketing, for example, um, I definitely think we saw evidence of that in our responses. But also, I think more broadly, consumers are a little bit more, um sceptical now or at least more likely to question um kind of companies and and their marketing and I think part of the reason for that is there are so many different channels now that we are targeted with information and marketing and advertising I think consumers are becoming increasingly kind of savvy about that and they understand how that works and and why that's happening um and I also think it probably sits in a, a kind of broader trend that we're seeing where, where consumers are more likely to want to hold companies to account I would say so to do with things like corporate behavior and policies but also to do with claims that they're making um you know in their marketing and, and communication so I think that's not necessarily a bad thing um but I think in terms of what you can do to avoid consumers tuning out um you know from your marketing or, or your information that you're sharing I think there's a couple of key things I think first of all and this is going to sort of sound like I'm stating the obvious but understanding um your audience and having the right insights on them so by that I don't just mean understanding what they need and want but I think you really need to understand what they care about what motivates them what their challenges are and maybe what their anxieties are um as well um and I think it's um you know okay to acknowledge those anxieties but not play on them at the moment I think considering the the wider kind of mental health um kind of pressures that people are under um and i think the other thing people should consider or companies should consider as well um is who they actually use to tell their story um so I, I think they shouldn't make assumptions on what is gonna um you know resonate with consumers now because things have, have changed so much over the past couple of years. And they should think about, you know, who is the person that they can use that their consumers are really gonna trust and relate to, that they can, you know, tell their story. And you know, people might think of, I don't know, partnering with a celebrity influencer, something influencer or something like that, but actually, you know, think about things like GPs or pharmacists or healthcare charities, because they are all things that we saw. In our research that came out you know really highly as, as trusted sources of information so i think it's kind of thinking outside um the box a little bit and thinking about what new channels or or kind of partners could we have to tell our stories in a way that's going to resonate
0: yeah i think that's really good advice and yeah you, you point to loads of interesting things there i mean i suppose one of the things i was thinking there is you just don't want to be tokenistic do because you? you're thinking cost you know you might think as a marketer cost of living uh, you know, gr- kind of this social political awareness uh, now that especially young people have climate change. Mm. The temptation would be, you know, to make everything about sustainability or, you know, have a kind of tokenistic representative of a particular um, uh, population or cause or something. Mm. But like you say, I think that's actually maybe worse than not doing anything because you've got really aware um people now you know they like you say they they really know about influencers about um, integrity and, and and all of this sort of stuff so you've got to be very careful haven't you
1: yeah and i i think it's um you know this element like you you say there's lots of things that people care about at the moment and you mentioned things like sustainability but i think you need a deeper understanding Um, of of that before you do any campaigns around it Um, and you just need to be careful I think not to be jumping on a bandwagon Um, and this was something I was thinking about earlier actually when you mentioned this kind of wellness trend is that um, I think there are you know trends there like uh, the move towards kind of really like natural and herbal remedies and stuff like that where I think there is a danger that brands will jump on a bandwagon and do it for the sake of it Um, I think you just you need a clear rationale um, and, and a benefit for your consumers. Um, I mean, having said that with natural in, ingredients and remedies, I definitely think they've got a role to play in health and wellness. Um, I read a really interesting article about that the weekend actually. It was about how there's more and more research actually getting done into um, things like old medieval remedies that people used to use that, you know, use ingredients like leeks and garlic to um, create topical salves to treat wounds, for example. And one of the researchers quoted in it, um it was quite funny she said basically that she expected it to be nonsense but then when they actually studied it uh clinically and evaluated it they found it to be really effective so um yeah I'm not saying that natural ingredients and, and remedies don't have a role to play in health but I think you just need to be careful about um you know as a brand if you're if you're going to do that as I say you need to have a clear rationale um clear kind of evidence behind it and, and clear reasoning
0: yeah that always interests me as well as someone who writes about you know trends in um OTC medicines, herbal medicines, supplements—all this sort of stuff—you see a lot of ingredients popping up as as trending. And if there is that temptation to think, oh well, you know, it's just mainly marketing. But but you know, there's a whole database of research in the European Union on yeah. these herbal remedies, you know, and a, a lot of medicines come from, um, you know, herbal remedies. So, like you say, if they if they're used well. Um, And then obviously you follow all the regulations around claims and stuff. Yeah,
1: exactly. Then
0: um, they can be really good. You know, people want them um, Mm -hmm. at the moment. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Don't forget to follow Pharma Intelligence Podcasts on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and tune in. Also, check out HBW Insight at hbw.farmerintelligence.informer.com for all the latest health, beauty, and wellness news and intelligence. Keep listening. This episode continues now. you mentioned about pharmacists and, and you made a really good point about how uh, consumer healthcare marketers could use pharmacists to um to speak to consumers because they're very trusted um, why do you think why do you think that consumers have that trust in pharmacists where they might not have that trust in say a government representative
1: yeah well to be honest, I think there's just been a newfound appreciation for pharmacists over the past couple of years among um consumers. I think that in you know healthcare systems more broadly, people have always recognized the role that they play. But I think again, because of the, some of the things I mentioned, like just you know other health services not being accessible, I think people really started to wake up to the fact that, you know. Pharmacists, community pharmacists are a really brilliant and valuable resource for consumers, um, a really accessible resource um, to get them the information that they need. And I think it would be um, a shame if that you know, didn't continue and if that realisation went away. I think it's uh, long overdue, probably. <laughs>
0: yeah i think you're right and it's it's a bit of a shame you see at the moment that a lot of pharmacies are closing but and that's a trend you know elsewhere as well in europe yeah. you see you see that a lot and you know they've they're facing a lot of competition from like online um but also you know in the uk we're seeing supermarkets closing their pharmacies and stuff so mm-hmm. i think they they probably need a little bit of support and love at the moment don't they
1: yeah, definitely. And I, I think that, um you know, consumer health brands and, and companies definitely have a role to play there. Um, So, you know, like I said, maybe they want to consider partnering with a pharmacist to communicate their campaigns, Um, you know, rather than some of the other stakeholders maybe that they would have before. That could be a really good way for them to kind of, you know, th- they've got this huge kind of audience that already exists of consumers that they can tap into and really, I think, highlight, um, pharmacists and, and position them in the right way to consumers as this really kind of trusted and highly qualified source of advice as well. Um, I think one of the other things they could consider too, or companies more broadly can consider, is um, thinking about what resources they can actually create for pharmacists as well that help them to do their jobs so we've talked a bit about consumer education but obviously um you know pharmacists are, are sort of on the front line speaking to consumers every day so I think that's something that companies could consider a, as part of their wider campaigns if you think about um the amount of really kind of in-depth uh, consumer research that brands do and the insights that they end up having I think some of those could absolutely be repackaged specifically for pharmacists to make it you know easier for them to do their jobs or perhaps give advice on on a, a new area that they're not not so
0: familiar with yeah it's a good point and I think you know sometimes forget that marketing consumer healthcare marketing also is towards pharmacists as well yeah yeah definitely. Um, yeah. and the best marketing is also educational in that in that sense isn't it yeah I mean what from what I gather not knowing much about uh, pharmacy education um, you know self-care isn't a huge part of courses on you know pharmacy or t- certainly not um, with GPs, for example, uh, again from what I've heard. So I think mm-hmm. you know, if that's the case, then obviously yeah, like you say, there's a huge role for consumer healthcare companies to play to to plug that gap, because yeah. they're dealing with a lot of, you know, that's a huge part of their uh, their business, isn't it? Now OTC medicines yeah. and, and other self care products. Absolutely. Um, and then finally, the other thing that I thought was quite interesting there was uh this idea of health anxiety in the report Mm -hmm. Um, i mean that sounds you know that sounds like a big concept maybe you could just unpack that a little bit but but also um maybe if if um you know our listeners could understand that a bit better they could really help
1: yeah so i think um i mean you're right health anxiety i would say is quite big and i think you probably need to separate that from um just feeling a little bit anxious about your health so I think over the past couple of years we probably all have felt a little bit more worried about our health at certain points felt a little bit more anxiety about our health I know I have um but health anxiety I think is more serious and a little bit more severe it's kind of when you spend so much time thinking that you are ill or thinking about getting ill that it really impacts your day-to-day life um so I think they're, they're two slightly different things um but I think in, in terms of you know what the industry can do to help consumers deal with it um I think number one is just trying to be responsible um so in your marketing and, and advertising obviously the objective with marketing and advertising is sort of to make people sit up and and take notice but you need to remember that there's going to be certain types of you know imagery phrases terms that are going to reinforce negative attitudes or um that might be triggering for somebody who has health anxiety um and things like the asa obviously have rules on that which is helpful but if you know people want to do something really proactively to help consumers manage health or other types of anxieties i think one of the th- things that I would say is really important is to make sure that you have the right expertise to do so um so again that's I think where partners can be really key so you might want to consider partnering with a you know healthcare charity organization like Anxiety UK or Mind because they probably have a better understanding of these issues um than you do um and you know obviously I'm, I'm not a qualified kind of expert when it comes to anxiety but speaking from my personal experience um, I found that when I was getting a bit more kind of anxious about my health and you know during the pandemic in particular I found that you know limiting negative news consumption was something that was quite helpful and that's actually an area again where I think companies probably have a bit of a responsibility so you know negative headlines are ones that are shocking and play on people's fears can be effective they can cut through but that doesn't mean that it's always um the right thing to do um and i think there's a danger you know if there's kind of health information that's you know presented as alarmist i think that can be quite a turn off for people you know tone really matters at a time when people do want to protect themselves um from sources of anxiety so um that's an additional consideration it might make people tune out more <laughs> i would say
0: but I think this is also the advantage of consumer healthcare, isn't it? Like one of the things I I realised when I started doing my job was just how old some of the brands are and the, and the companies, yeah. and and you know the trust that people have in particular brands that they've, you know, it's not just them they've been using them, but they've they've had their parents have been using it, you know, mm. their family all their family uses it, and um I won't mention any particular brands, you know, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but but yeah, you know, this is where consumer health brands in particular can be comforting can't they so they could actually Definitely. be a, a salve for anxiety if, if they get that right.
1: I think exactly if they get it right and I think it is you know those really established brands that enjoy that high level of trust a lot of the time it's because they've got that historical context they know their consumers really well um, and, and they really care about them in my experience with the brands that I work with um, you know that people really care about getting it right so I think that can be a big help.
0: And I think also I was thinking, you know, we've all gone through, um, you know, this horrible situation. So actually, you know, marketers can just reflect on their own experience. You know, I don't think anyone is there's not one person that isn't susceptible to anxiety or hasn't experienced it at some point. So you just think about how you felt, you know, when you read Mm. something that was scary or, you know, there was some marketing that made you feel anxious, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think in that sense, it's um, it's easier, I think, for people to be a little bit more kind of, you know, show that compassion now, because I think we all understand why it's needed sometimes.
0: Brilliant. Well, that's been really interesting. I don't know what. So what's the next step in terms of this report? Are you doing any more stuff around it or will there be a, a kind of follow up report in the future?
1: Yeah, so I think it's it's definitely going to be um, a topic that we're going to continue to revisit and track. So I think it's likely that that we'll do another round of research towards the tail end of this year, just so we can yeah, see, see how things continue to change. Um, and yeah, we're obviously doing our own kind of um, little bits of promotion um, around the report as well. So, um, yeah, kind of all the insights are captured on our website and we're doing kind of LinkedIn lives around it, speaking to other people. So, yeah, some good stuff in the pipeline.
0: And of course, you know, our companies and listeners can get in touch if they want to know more about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, contact us via our website, which is kaizo.co.uk. Hmm.
0: Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. That was a really interesting discussion.
1: Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking today.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Over the Counter. Listen out for more episodes every two weeks and check out the further reading section of the article published on hbw.farmerintelligence.informer.com for related news and intelligence. And don't forget to follow, share and comment on Farmer Intelligence podcasts on the platform of your choice. See you next time.